Well, God bless you. Welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. We are in uh, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14. We're going to be looking at uh, things and events leading up to the arrest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so Mark chapter 14 is the longest chapter, I believe, in uh, the New Testament. So we're going to cover some ground today, but it's all going to be good ground. Praise God. Anytime we preach and teach the Lord Jesus Christ, that's good ground to stand on. Praise the Lord. Well, let's go ahead and pray and we'll get started. Father, we bless you in the name of Jesus. We thank you all for the Holy Ghost that teaches us, that brings to remembrance the things, Lord, that Jesus has taught us in his word. We thank you, Lord, for the revelation of truth, Father, and we thank you, Lord. Now speak to us through your word. Speak to us through the Holy Ghost. And Father, we'll give you thanks and praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. All right. We're in Mark chapter 14, and we're reaching towards the end of Passion Week. Uh, Jesus is about to be betrayed into the hands of sinners. Uh, he's going to be falsely accused. He's going to be sent to tormentors. And he's going to be offered up. He's going to be made sin for us who knew no sin. And that is so important for us to understand. Jesus did not become sin. In other words, Jesus did not become a sinner. He was made to be sin in the same way that the uh, that the lamb had its the sins of the nation of Israel transferred over onto it. Amen. Jesus it took the sin of the whole world and tra had it transferred on the cross uh, to him. He paid the penalty, amen, that we deserved so that we could go free, praise God. And it's the Father's plan. Aren't you glad today? Those of you within the sound of my voice that are saved, aren't you glad you're saved today? Amen. Aren't you glad that your future is bright? Amen. Sinners don't have a bright future. The only heaven they'll ever know is the heaven down here on earth. Amen. And earth, uh, life down here on earth can be a hell all by itself. But that's not the worst of it. But aren't you glad that you've made peace with God through Jesus Christ? And your future is bright, praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you today for your word, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. So we're going to begin Mark chapter 14. Uh, now, there's three events we're going to start off, one, two, and three. Uh, these took place, we believe, on Wednesday before uh, Jesus made that last fateful trip uh, to Jerusalem. And uh, we begin in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. Now, this covers, these two verses cover how the, the chief priests began to plot to put Jesus to dead. Now, they've already crossed the threshold now. They're not going back. They've already made their decision. They're going to murder Jesus. Amen. Because they want to hang on to what they have. They're not willing to give it up. Sinners uh, who refuse to surrender to the will of God, they're going to die sinners, and they're going to go into eternal punishment. Amen. Hallelujah. You cannot hold on, amen, to sin at the same time. Uh, ask Jesus to come into your heart and life. I mean, we have to make a decision. Uh, and to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ and get born again and be saved, that's the best decision, the best decision any person could make. Amen. On this earth. Praise God. So the chief priests, the Sanhedrin, they've already made their decision. They're going to put Jesus to death. But now it is Wednesday and Jesus is reclining in Bethany. And, of course, Mark chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, uh, records 
uh, Mary of Bethany anointing Jesus with spikenard. Now, in one place, she anointed the feet, and in another place, she anointed uh, his head. But just know that uh, she had a whole pound of spikenard, which is a costly fragrance, and it did not take a whole lot, amen, for that fragrance just to fill the entire room, amen. So she had more than enough, uh, just like what we have through Christ. We have more than enough, praise God, amen, hallelujah. And Jesus said something about her. He said, Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she has done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. And of course, we have that uh, every year uh, for the last 2,000 years. Uh, her name has been mentioned, praise God, in what she did, what she offered up for the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And of course, this followed Judas taking exception to the use of this uh, costly ointment. And it's for, you know, it's because you know, he all he was concerned about at this point was money. Amen. He's the one that John says he's the one that held the money bag. Uh, he's the one that wanted that money to be used for himself. Amen. Praise God. So we see that Judas has already be, be, begun to be deceived by the devil and has been for a while. And we're coming to a place, and 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 we're going to be reading this in just a little bit, where Satan completely possesses Judas possesses his mind, amen, uh, in betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine that? Trading an eternity for 30 pieces of silver. Well, people do it every day, amen. I mean, they sell themselves cheap to the devil, and it costs them an eternity. Verses 10 and 11 says this, And Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went unto the chief priest to betray him unto them. And when they heard it, they were glad and promised to give him money. And he sought how he might conveniently betray him. So we say Satan has already entered into, and we're going to see this in the writings of, uh, of Mark and, and of John. Uh, we're going to see how Satan enters into um, Judas, and Judas then begins to betray uh, the Lord. And so here we have a contrast. Here we have the Sanhedrin, they've already plotted. They're already making plot to murder Jesus. We have Mary of Bethany anointing the Lord Jesus in total submission to him for his burial. And then we have Judas, one of his own, uh, that is getting ready to betray him. And that's, that's sad. That is very, very sad. Amen. When we think about that. And then uh, continuing on in, uh, in Mark chapter 14. And verse three, notice it says there, and after two days. Now, Matthew and Mark both record this after two days, and that would be Thursday. So we're we're in Holy Thursday now. This is going to be the day that Jesus gets arrested. And so um, this is a very important part of the gospel narrative because it's the day of preparation for the Passover sacrifice. And according to God's instructions to Moses, amen, that the the uh, Passover was was killed on the 14th, the day before. Amen. And it was on the day of Feast of Unleavened Bread that began. And it was this day that Jesus celebrated his last supper with his disciples. That would have been Thursday evening. And it was during the evening hours that he suffered in such agony in Gethsemane. And we'll get to that uh, in, a, in a little while. And so 
you know, the stage is being set now. Jesus knows absolutely, completely. He knows everything that's going to befall him. He's known that for uh, for most of his ministry. Amen. And so uh, Mark records this beginning in verse 12. In the first day of unleavened bread, when they killed the Passover, his disciples said to him, and, uh, and it goes on and it talks about how that, uh, you know, they asked Jesus this question, where do you want us to go and prepare to eat the Passover? And Jesus, now he had already set this things up. Now, that's a great lesson for us. Preparation. Preparation time is not wasted time. Amen. If God is calling you to preach, then you begin to prepare for that. Uh, don't just prepare by going to a Bible school or something like that. Prepare in prayer. Prepare and study. And if God leads you to go to Bible school, then certainly you need to go there. But understand this, that it's the Holy Ghost that's going to teach you what you are to do and how you are to do it. And not some professor, amen, teaching you in class. Now, all that's well and good. And I'm not speaking against that, but I'm telling you, number one, when you if you sense a calling to any any ministry, doesn't matter what it is, then you begin to prepare yourself through prayer. And God will teach you and God will show you what you need to do. Amen. Because he's the one uh, he's the one that we're going to stand before one day. You know, not that professor, not that Bible school, not that seminary. We're not going to stand before them. We're going to stand before the Lord in whom we have to do. Amen. So Jesus previously arranged all these events and he told them exactly what was going to happen. The disciples went. Amen. They found it just as Jesus had said. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Preparation time is not wasted time. And then uh, in Mark chapter 14, 17 through 26, Jesus then celebrates the Passover with his disciples. And it was during this Passover meal that he instituted the Lord's Supper. And that's found in Mark chapter 14, 22 through 25. But what I want to do is I want to take uh, what uh, John recorded in John chapter 13 concerning uh, this last Passover meal. And the reason why I want to do that is because in the writing of John, it is a more intimate and personal uh, record of these last few hours that Jesus had with his disciples. And he talked to them and, and during the Passover meal, and, and we'll go ahead and read verse one of John chapter 13. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour was come, that he should depart out of this world unto the Father, having loved his own, which were in the world, he loved them unto the end. And in reading through John chapter 13, you sense the love that Jesus is pouring out of his heart for those to whom he loved. Amen. And can you imagine at the same time he's pouring his love out to the twelve? Can you imagine the grief that he is experiencing because he knows what Jesus of what Judas is getting ready to do. Amen. So here you have the, the love that he has uh, equal love for Judas, but the grief that he also experiences because one to whom he loved is going to betray him. And going through this chapter Going through the chapters, which we're not going to be able to get to, chapters 14, 15, and 16 of the Gospel of John. Uh, and I invite you to read all four of these chapters and also chapter 17. There's two things that you're going to notice. Number one, you're going to notice how much Jesus talks about love, loving one another. 
And you're going to notice also how much Jesus talks about the comforter who is to come, uh, the Holy Spirit. Praise God. But we're going to read on. Notice verse two. And supper being ended, the devil, having now put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. See, this was a long time coming. Remember how long it took the devil to deceive Solomon. Took a long time. The devil may be working on you. You know, you may, maybe you're not praying as much as you used to, or maybe you're not reading or studying the scriptures as much as you used to. Well, let me tell you right now, if that's you, then you're falling right into the trap of Satan because he has plans to deceive you. So if that's you, and if you have fallen back some, in other words, you went from the front row of the church to the middle row to the back row, Amen. Out the back door and coming back once in a while when they have something special going on. I want you to know you have fallen into Satan's trap. You need to repent right now. You need to repent. You need to get back on that front row. Amen. You may need to make a quality decision. Bless God. Amen. He fooled me once. He's not going to fool me again. Praise God. Amen. And just stay on fire and stay fervent for the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because his coming is very soon. Verse three says, and Jesus, knowing that the father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, he rose from supper, laid aside his garments and took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples feet and to wipe them with the towel wherewith he was girded. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what the disciples in their minds, what they were going through when Jesus was doing this? Amen. Jesus took the part took the place of the lowliest servant and stooped down. Here he is, Lord and Master, Lord of the universe, Messiah. He took that lowest place to wash the disciples' feet. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And then he says this, I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily I say to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. This is where our joy is. Our joy is serving Christ and serving one another, not serving ourselves. Amen. The more selfless we become, the more happy we become. If you're a Christian and you're a believer in church and there's no joy in your life, there's no happy, happiness in your life, you have to ask yourself the question, why? Amen. Is it because I'm giving up? Amen. What, what's the cure? Giving out. Amen. Be a servant. Go about the father's business and serving others, serving your pastor, serving your fellow church members, serving your neighbors. That's where that's where the happiness and the joy, the fullness of joy and the fullness of happiness is going to be found. Amen. And stooping down and humbling yourself and serving your brothers, and serving your community. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what does foot washing do? Well, it teaches us humility. Jesus set that example for us. Amen. And he said this in verse 20, Verily, verily, I say to you, He that receives whomsoever I send receives me, and he that receives me receives him that sent me. I tell you, if we go about serving Christ and serving one another, you know what people are going to see? They're going to see Jesus. How many times have that been said by people? Wow. You know, that person, you know, that person reminds me of Jesus. 
I remember a little a little boy in church when we were Patsy and I, my wife and I were pastoring. Uh, she looked at Patsy. She looked at my wife. You know what she said? We know what he said. He says, uh, you're you're Jesus. <laughs> Glory to God. Amen. What a compliment. That is the greatest compliment anybody, anybody could speak of us. Amen. To say that we act and look like Jesus. Amen. And then Jesus said this in John chapter 12. If any man serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honor. That's where honor is. That's where glory is. Amen. That's where exaltation is. It's serving Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Not for godly gain, not for ungodly gain, not for notoriety. Amen. Just serving Christ because we love him. And then beginning in John chapter 13, verses 21 through 30, Jesus then be predicts his betrayal by Judas Iscariot. So now you can see the highest of the high and now the lowest of the low. And when Jesus had said thus, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say to you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. And then further on down, uh, John asked him, verse 25, and then lying on Jesus' breast said to him, Who is it, Lord? And Jesus answered, It is to whom I give a sop. But I want to go up to verse 21. Notice, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Judas was in that company, and what God, what Jesus was doing was giving Judas the opportunity to repent. Now let's go down to uh, uh, verse 25 again. He then lying on Jesus' breast said to him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. This is the second opportunity that Jesus gave to Judas to repent. And after the sop, after Judas received the sop, Satan entered into him. So there was a decision. Amen. Judas was at that line. He was getting ready to cross over that line. And once he crossed over that line, that's it. He would never be able to go back. He could have stood up and said, I can't receive this, Lord. He could have confessed. He could have repented. But no, you see, Satan had built something in that man's consciousness that was so strong that Judas, by his will, by his own sinful will, stepped over that line and he was lost throughout eternity. Listen, don't believe these movies that try to depray, that try to uh, portray Judas as some kind of innocent person that's forced into something. He was not innocent. He knew exactly what he was doing. He went into this with his eyes opened. Amen. And he didn't realize until after the deed was done the mistake that he had made. But it was too late then. He couldn't go back. He sinned away his day of grace. Just like many within the sound of my voice today, they're sinning away their day of grace. And they're going to step over that line. I know that. I know that I was in that place at one time. I knew that there was a line that I could not cross. That if I crossed that line, I would be lost forever. And it so scared me that I turned around and ran away, ran away from that line. I didn't want to go there. That was my beginning of coming back 
into the presence and into the fellowship of the Lord Jesus Christ. Judas had his opportunity, but he sent it away. Jesus gave Judas space to repent, but he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. But now that Judas is gone, now notice what Jesus says here. Verse 31, we're going to read through verse 31 through 34. Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God also glorify him in himself and shall straightway glorify him. Do we understand what Jesus is saying? He is going to glorify God by being nailed to the cross and being tortured and suffered unto death. And then he says this in verse 34, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. What put Jesus on the cross? It was love that put him there. Love for you, love for me. And I wouldn't be at all surprised that Jesus, when he was on that cross, he looked 2,000 years into the future and saw you and saw me and the love that he had for you and for me and was willing to suffer every pain, every ounce of suffering, every pain. He was willing to suffer that and take it for your salvation and for mine. I'm telling you, we have a Savior. He loves us. He loves us. Amen. And if he loves us, then we ought to love one another. Amen. Praise God. And then verse 35, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have that kind of love, if you have love one for another. Amen. Praise God. And then finally, in verses 36 and 30 through 38, Jesus predicts now what's going to happen. Starting with Peter and then with all of the other 11 or the 10, Judas has already betrayed him. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where do you go? And Jesus answered, whether I go, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow me afterwards. And Peter said to him, Lord, why cannot I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. And Jesus said, oh, really? John Dunning Luce translation. Oh, really? You're going to lay down your life for me? Verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till you have denied me three times. And listen, we can't criticize power. We, I mean, Peter, we've done the same thing. Peter had the heart, but he lacked the power. Amen. Notice the difference in Peter after the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost. Turned this man into a fearful, coward into somebody who's bold. And that boldness and that power caused 3,000 to come. To Christ. Amen. Praise God. And so, we'll, you know, in the Gospel of John, we've come through verse uh, chapters 14 through 16. We can't go there now. We don't have time. But uh, there's three things. And I want you to read these three chapters. There's three things you're going to see. Number one, you're going to see the sevenfold Holy Spirit. The parakletos. The seven spirits of God. The sevenfold Holy Spirit in these three chapters. And then the second thing you're going to see is seven times Jesus said to the disciples and he's saying to us, you ask whatever you ask in prayer. I'll do it. Praise seven times, seven, the number of completion. 
And then the third thing we're going to see in the verse in chapters 14, 15, 16, seven ways that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. Amen. His ministry to the church. Praise God. And that's exactly what he does. OK, now. So now we're moving to Gethsemane. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And Jesus said to them, all shall be offended because of me this night. All you shall be offended of me because of me this night. For it is written, I will smite the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after that, I'm risen. I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said to him, although all shall be offended, yet will I not offend thee. This is Mark's record now. And Jesus said to him, Verily I say to you, this day, even this night, before the cock crow twice, you shall deny me three times. But he spake the more vehemently, If I die with thee, I will not deny thee. And they all likewise said the same, but every one of them forsook Jesus. And they came to a place which is named Gethsemane and said to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he took with him the inner circle, Peter and James and John, and began to be sore amazed and very heavy. Luke records that his uh, that his sweat was mixed with blood because of the agonizing that was upon him. And he said in verse 34, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Terry, you here and watch. Watch. That's a prayer word. Watch. You know, you're called to watch. I'm called to watch. We're called to be stubborn. Stay alert. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, that requires a lot of prayer, doesn't it? And he went forward a little and fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He did this three different times. Three different times he did this. And then beginning in, in verse 43, after this experience at Gethsemane, and immediately while he yet spake, came Judas, one of the twelve, with him a great multitude with swords and staves from the chief priests, scribes, and elders. And he that betrayed him had given him a token, saying, Whomsoever I shall kiss, the same as he, take him and lead him away safely. And as soon as he was come, he goes straightway to him and says, Master, Master, and kissed him. Can you imagine how Satan had deceived Judas to the place that he would betray Jesus with a kiss? And they laid their hands on him and took him. And one of them that stood by drew a sword and smote a servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. That was Peter. And Jesus answered and said to him, Are you come out as, a, as against a thief with swords and with staves to take me? I was daily with you in the temple teaching and you took me not, but the scriptures must be fulfilled. And then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And there followed a certain young man having a linen cloth cast about his naked body, and the young men laid hold on him, and he left the linen cloth and fled from them naked. That was not one of the disciples, by the way. For many bear false witness against him. Notice that. For many. Notice that. For many bear false witness against him. And they led Jesus away to the high priest, and with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders of the scribes. They all sitting there waiting. See, they had already made up their mind what they're going to do. And Peter followed him afar off, even unto the palace. And he sat with the servants and warmed himself by the fire. 
And the chief priests and all the council sought for witness against Jesus to put him to death and found none. They found none. For many bear false witness against him, but their witness agreed not together. And there arose certain and bear false witness against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days, I will build another made without hands. So they go all the way through here. And the high priest questioning him, Jesus is not answering him. Until the high priest said this, Are thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And that was it. That's all it took. The high priest ran his clothes. They all accused him of blasphemy. And then finally in verse 66, it says this, and as Peter was beneath in the palace, there comes one of the maids of the high priest. And when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and said, Are you also with Jesus of Nazareth? But he denied, saying, I do not know, neither I understand what you are saying. And he went out into the porch and the cock crew and a maid saw him again and began to say to him, stood by, this is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after they stood by and said to Peter, Surely you're one of them. You are a Galilean and your speech agrees. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom you speak. And the second time the cock crew and Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said to him before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And when he had thought thereon, he wept. So here we have it's complete. Jesus himself knew what would come to pass. It was the Lord who communicated several times to the disciples what would befall him in Jerusalem. He was betrayed by one of his own followers. He was arrested without charge. He was subjected to an unjust examination. He was found guilty without proper evidence and sentenced to death illegally. And all his disciples abandoned him. The only person who didn't was the father. And really, in concluding this session today, that should speak to us today. If all men forsake you, the Lord will not forsake you. He will be with you always, even until the end of the world. Amen. So you can take comfort in that today. Whatever you're going through, you can take comfort in the fact knowing that Jesus is right there with you. He'll be with you in trouble and he will deliver you. Heavenly Father, we bless you today. We thank you for this time in the Word of God. Bless it, Father, to everyone who's within the sound of my voice. And we'll give you thanks for it, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rb. TC86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. 
This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.